Good morning, all, and to those who are watching online. Those of you who are watching online, you, you can't see what I can see as I look out from the front here, and that is three very straight rows of people, some in, in pairs, some on their own. And, and, you know, as I look at you lot, I, I think we missed a trick when I was teaching. We should have had social distancing so that the children couldn't pass notes between each other and have a good old natter while I'm teaching. So maybe, maybe we could continue this practice. But uh, anyway, it's lovely to be here and lovely to be with you. Uh, let's pray together. We open your word and we pray that, Father God, you will open our eyes and our ears and our hearts so that whatever you say to us as individuals and collectively, we will not only rejoice, but help us, we pray, to be doers of the word too. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I suppose if we think about it, good news is in short supply. But not when you read this chapter. This chapter gives us good news from beginning to end. Just as a background, we're into the last section of this comprehensive prophecy of Isaiah. And remember, if you go to the very first verse of the book, that he was prophesying, he was bringing the word of God over a period of just over a hundred years through the four kings of Judah that are mentioned there. In the beginning, he's predicting judgment on Judah and Jerusalem as well as the surrounding nations. But he's also looking forward to the restoration of the people of God as they return from their exile in Babylon. He's also looking forward to the time when God will rescue his people as he did when he brought them out of Egypt. He looks forward in the opening chapters to the Messiah as he introduces him to us. And in those middle chapters, he's introducing the servant with those wonderful servant songs. And here in the, the final closing chapters, he's taking those two people, the servant and the Messiah, and he's bringing them together in Jesus. And remember that Luke records that Jesus linked himself with this prophecy when he went into the synagogue. He went into the synagogue and they handed him a scroll. And on the scroll was written the prophet Isaiah. And it's interesting that he found the place where it is written. And as he spoke, he, he read from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. We know that the Spirit of God is empowering the ministry of Jesus, the Messiah, the servant of God. For Isaiah says earlier in chapter 42, Here is my servant 
whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. And so into chapter 61, we have three times when someone speaks, and each occasion is someone different. So in verses 1 to 6, the servant speaks directly. And he confirms his ministry. And if we think about the ministry of the servant in the context of today, how vital it is and how important it is. For the ministry of the servant involves proclamation, pastoral care, and service. Isn't that the mission of the church today? Isn't that the mission of individual Christians today as servants of the Most High? For here is a ministry of good news. It's good news to the poor, not just those who are poor materially, but those who are poor in spirit. And Jesus again picks this up in Matthew's Gospel in, in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. It's not only good news, but it's a ministry of hope to the brokenhearted. How many people around the world this past year are brokenhearted, never thinking that at the beginning of the year they would be in this position now? But the ministry of the servant, and therefore the ministry of the servants of God, you and me, the ministry is to the brokenhearted. Yes, to bring comfort to those who are sorrowing, but it's more than just bringing comfort. It's binding up that brokenness. It's repairing that damage. It's bringing hope in a hopeless situation. It's a ministry of freedom. Freedom to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. Yes, those physically who were imprisoned, who were in exile, bringing freedom to them. But it's also bringing freedom that is spiritual freedom from the guilt of sin. Just before Viv read, didn't we together say a prayer of confession? It's bringing that freedom from the guilt of sin. And we know that once our sins have been forgiven, they're gone gone forever it's a freedom of it's it's a ministry of grace grace to those who are mourning both physically yes and also spiritually because this grace that is given to those who mourn brings transformation did you notice the transformation that instead of ashes there's a crown of beauty instead of there's a garment of praise instead of ashes. There's the oil of gladness instead of mourning. There's that strength and stability when Isaiah refers to that oaks of righteousness. Those oak trees that are solid and settled. What, what a contrast to the very first chapter of Isaiah when he refers there to the oaks. You will be like an oak with fading leaves, like a garden without water. What a contrast to the oaks of righteousness that he refers to here. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So it's a ministry of transformation. It's a ministry of service. 
For here is a rebuilding program after the devastation. They will rebuild. You will rebuild. This is to the, to the people of God. You will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will restore the places long devastated. Here is a picture, if we bring it up to date, of the church fulfilling its ministry of proclamation. The priests of the Lord, the servants of our God, the ministers of our God. And when we proclaim, we don't have to be standing behind a pulpit. We proclaim by our lives. And it's a proclamation, therefore, of the grace and the good news and the hope and the freedom that Jesus brings. The strangers and foreigners in chapter 61 refer to the Gentile nations coming into the family of God. And today it speaks of all those people who are coming into the church of God. Not the physical church, but the church of God in Christ. We are members of the universal church of God. No denominations, but we're members of the body of Christ. And today there are those who are being added to that church. And this ministry takes us back into Leviticus chapter 25 to the year of Jubilee, when every 50th year there's a year of release, there's a year of freedom, there's a year when debts are cancelled, there's a year when slaves are freed. It's a year when those who'd lost their property because of their poverty get their property back, as if they were never in poverty. This is freedom, and this is the message that we have to proclaim. This is the year of the Lord's favour. We're in that period of the Lord's favour. Did you notice that when the scroll was given to Jesus, he stopped when he read the year of the Lord's favour. He did not go on to say the day of vengeance of our God. And the reason he didn't go on to say that was because we haven't yet got to that point. The year of vengeance of our God is when Jesus comes again and the final judgment will be given by God who is righteous and just. So we today, the people of God, are in the year of the Lord's favour and we are blessed by him as we be a blessing to other people. Secondly, in verses 7 to 9, the Lord speaks. And here the Lord speaks of transformation. Did you notice those verses? The transformation in verses 7 to 9, instead of shame, my people will receive a double portion. Not just their shame will be put on one side, but they will receive something in place of their shame. And not just a blessing, but a double blessing. Instead of disgrace, there will be rejoicing. And this grace in redemption leads to joy. But not only is it a rebuilding, not only is it a transformation of rebuilding, but we need to remember that God is a God of justice and righteousness. I hate robbery and iniquity. Now, we, perhaps we put that on one side and say that doesn't, that's, that's irrelevant. No, it isn't irrelevant. Because God is a God of justice... And because God hates robbery and hates iniquity, it's even more wonderful news that he accepts you and me in his grace.
And not only that, but, but Isaiah goes on to say that he brings us into an everlasting covenant. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. And that's true for us today. Those of us who know Christ as our Savior are in that everlasting covenant. I am his and he is mine forever and forever. And it's a ministry of testimony to the world in verses 8 and 9. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people that the Lord has blessed. The people of God are known among the nations. And the people of God are a people who are blessed by God in order for them to take that blessing out to the community. So the Lord speaks, and he speaks of blessing, of rejoicing, of joy, of an everlasting covenant, and of our being a testimony to the world. And thirdly, in those last two verses, Isaiah is speaking. He's speaking on behalf of Zion, the people of God. And he's overflowing with praise. I delight greatly in the Lord. He's overflowing with praise. Why? Because his focus is on God. His experience is of salvation. When we come to worship, whether we're here in the hall or whether we're at home or whether we're watching it later on in the week, it doesn't matter. But we rejoice greatly in the Lord. Our focus is on him, the creator of the universe. Our focus is on God. And our experience of salvation includes the fact that my sins are dealt with. Go back into Isaiah when Isaiah pleaded with God and his sins were dealt with and the sins of the people were dealt with. And he's clothed, therefore, in the righteousness of God. We don't just come to, to faith in Christ and then there's a vacuum because our old life is left behind. No, we're clothed in that righteousness which only God can give us. We are justified as if we hadn't sinned. Why? Because Jesus has died on the cross for us so that our sins might be dealt with so that we could go forward as the ministers and the servants of God. And we have that assurance that the Sovereign Lord will reach out across the nations with righteousness and praise. And we have that opportunity this Christmas to reach out, maybe not to the nations, well maybe to the nations, as people from various nations will be around and maybe walking up and down when we're singing carols. We can reach out to the nations in our schools and in our shops and in our offices and in our working and in our neighborhood. We can reach out across the nations with righteousness and with praise. So how does that apply to us today? We're living in the day of the Lord's favor. Therefore, as we come to this Christmas time, again, yes, again, but it can be different. Well, it will be different because of what's been happening this year. But as we come to this Christmas time, 
let's focus on God. Let's rejoice in the God who made the world has visited the world in Jesus. God with us. Let us delight in the Lord. He is our saviour. He is our friend. He is the one who even at this moment is praying for us at the throne of grace and who is preparing a place for us so that one day we shall go to be with him forever. And just as Isaiah spoke of the splendor of God being seen among the nations, let us be those people who show the splendor of God within our families, within our communities, and wherever God has placed us. Let us proclaim in word, yes, maybe, but in deed, let us proclaim the good news of Jesus, the Messiah servant, to a community, to a nation, to a world who desperately need good news. As the old hymn writer said, we have a gospel to proclaim. Good news for men in all the earth. The gospel of a saviour's name. We sing his glory, tell his worth. Tell of his birth at Bethlehem. Tell of his death at Calvary. Tell of that glorious Easter morn. Tell of his reign at God's right hand. Now we rejoice to name him King. Jesus is Lord of all the earth. This gospel message we proclaim, we sing his glory and tell his worth. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, that in a world today where there is a crying out for some good news, that we have that good news in Jesus. Help us, we pray, to know for ourselves that Jesus is mine and I am his. And help us to share that good news with others. And we pray that this Christmas time, whether online or in person, that people will come face to face with Jesus, make a commitment to him, and know that they are in a covenant relationship with Jesus, which will never be broken. Help us to be proclaimers of this good news. Amen.